0: well. Good morning. <clears throat> I'm what Brent will look like in 20 years. <clears throat> Pray for him. <clears throat> He'll need it. Um, thank you so much for letting JJ and I come and, and talk to you a little bit this morning. I, I, uh, I I've just got to confess to you. I, uh, I haven't put a sermon together in eight years. I did it for 35 years. And then when I was liberated from you guys eight years ago, now I know, can I tell you, I feel right at home now. And, uh, But I'm in churches all over, you know, really the state of Washington, but I'm making presentations for Youth for Christ. I'm trying to recruit mentors and volunteers for training and stuff like that because I really believe in what we do. Um, But anyway, I I just wanted to say thank you for for letting us come. We so appreciate you guys as as our church partners. Um, Brent and Elizabeth have just been fantastic to us, and we thank you publicly. Uh, I know where Brent is. She's probably getting coffee. But anyway... <clears throat> um, we just can't say enough about how much we appreciate uh, your involvement in our ministry. We literally are in the front lines of some of the toughest areas in the cities. Two of our staff people are here. Well, our boss, JJ, which by the way, took Ashley to a, to a high school <laughs> dance. I've got this really weird career thing going on. I started as a pastor of a church. My youth pastor became the executive director of Youth for Christ. He hired me and returned the favor of giving me a huge reduction in salary. and, and then and then J.J. replaced him, so I kind of went from being the boss to working for my youth pastor to working for a kid who grew up in my church. So I've got this reverse thing going on, you know. But I believe that's actually how it's supposed to be. But J.J.'s here. He's going to talk to us in a moment. And then also, Ashley Nicholson. Ashley, raise your hand. She's our uh, uh, Parent Life person. And many of you, uh, some of you, volunteer with her in our Parent Life ministry that meets right here. And again, we're so thankful uh, for you letting us do that. Um, <clears throat> if you look in your sermon notes, you're going to see a page that normally has a lot of blanks on it. A lot of words. The whole page is blank. Now, this could be a good thing for you, or it could be a bad thing for you. I have no idea whether I'm going to talk for 10 minutes or until 3 (laughs) o'clock. I think Scott will turn the mic off before I go too far. Um, But uh, it's it's really interesting with the exposure that I have to churches all over the, the Northwest now. And I kind of always wondered when I was pastoring, you know, where is my church on the menu? You know, how how do we do? When a visitor visits a church and looks at us, you know, where are we? You know, are we a zero or are we a 10? Where do we fit? Would you like my opinion of where you guys fit? No. If you could just remove one or two people, <laughs> somehow I knew this would happen. Um, <clears throat> but literally, um, and I've told Brent this to his faith, face, um, I, I, I literally think he's in the top 5% of the, the churches that I've been to. <laughs> I, I have only one criticism. When it gets excited, his voice gets real high. <laughs> other than that, he's just a rock star. He just does fantastic. Um, and can I tell you, Ruth and I, we always look forward to coming here because we enjoy your worship better than any other church we've been in. And I'm in churches of a few thousand, several thousand. But when we come here, we feel like we connect more with, uh, with really connecting with God. So... Um, so, so you're nine and a half to ten on my scorecard, which no one cares about, <laughs> but I thought I would tell all of you except for one. <clears throat> also, as I've uh, been going around, I, I I've found that uh, leaders fit in three categories, and churches fit in three categories and followers fit in three categories. And I thought I would just use those three categories for the first part of this lesson before JJ comes up and talk to you about what those three categories are. Uh, Three stages, if you will. The first one is what I call the risk-taking stage. And that's where most churches begin. These are churches that they get excited about an idea, and they, they head out, and they say, you know, we're going we're gonna to seize the day. We're going to do something unique. We're not going to be like everybody else. We're going we're gonna to do something that we really believe God is calling us to do. And I would say that probably about 5% of the churches that I'm in fit this category. Um, they're always out on the edge they're they're doing their best to reach out and change things for for god if there'd be a word to describe a church in this stage it would be daring they're just daring um, they're willing to try almost anything they're a daring congregation oh they fail sometimes but they've learned that failures are the stepping stones to success is that true with your life failures are the stepping stones to success. In fact, really strong churches and strong leaders have learned how to fail forward in life. They're not afraid of failing, therefore they're not afraid of trying. But unfortunately what happens with many of these churches and many of these leaders is uh, after a period of time, you know, they're getting the bills paid, um, you know, the preacher's being paid, everything's basically covered, their ministries are doing pretty well, and and maybe they bought a piece of property, put a building up, um, and and they go from this risk-taking stage to the second stage, which I call caretakers. Uh, These are caretaking people. And if there's a word to describe a church that's in this stage, it's duty. These are really good people. They're not bad people at all. In fact, if you would go to their churches, you would say, "I I could worship here. I mean, these are good people they're, 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 uh, you know, they, they do some really wonderful things. In fact, they do it really well. And they, they really like who they are. They kind of like walk by the mirror and go, (laughs) Now, I'm not very good at that because I've never done it. I've never looked, (laughs) I've never looked good enough to do it, but you get the point. You get the point. All right. They, they, they look really good. And, and, um, um, they're always doing their duty. There's a sense that they have to do it rather than they're really excited about doing it. And that kind of flows into the third stage, which I call the undertaking stage, which I think is 65 to 75% of the people, of the churches that I run into, the undertaking stage. Um, And the, 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 the key word for them is obviously death. From daring to duty to death these are the people that are so heavenly bound they're no earthly good. Know any of them? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, you guys love, you know, family camps. I love family camps. These guys have their family camps at the cemetery. No one talks back. It's really quiet. Very peaceful. But it's dead. There's no action. <clears throat> now, risk takers you can identify. Uh, you, you can tell that church, they're on the edge. You, you go to a, a, a risk-taking church, and they boldly talk about the future, what they're going to do. One of the things I love uh, about you guys is you talk about what's next in the community, what you're going to do to impact uh, the city of Linwood and, and even as far as the county. That's a characteristic. You, you listen to them, and they're boldly planning for tomorrow. In fact, they, they go they go fishing for Moby Dick, and they take the tartar sauce with them. <laughs> They just believe they're going to get it done. And, and, and they just, they have this sense that we're going we're gonna to be able to make it. Uh, they're, they're just easy to identify. Um, if you go to the caretaking church, they're, they're carefully planning for today. Oh, they do it well. Uh, they're not really future-oriented. Uh, they're basically trying to take care of today, you know. They're, they're planning carefully. Um, You'll, you'll, define it, you'll find them defending long-term ministries that haven't been evaluated for effectiveness for a long time. Ever been around that? But they just keep doing the same thing because it's what they've always done, and it seems to work. They're continually reflecting um, on, 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 on who they are. Then the undertaking stage, this is... <clears throat> they're not only not taking care of today, they, they, they don't know what's going on outside, in fact, unfortunately, I would say these churches could disappear, and their communities would never know they were gone. And we have a lot of them in our county, and you're not one of those, thank goodness. I remember when I went to uh, my first church as, as a preaching pastor, I, they were so stuck, they were so dead. Every conversation started with, well, in 1952, you know, it was just miserable. You know, I was born in 1952. You know, it just did you know, it was just, hold the fort. And, uh, <clears throat> I had this uh, th- this one older lady in the church who would always talk about those great days and the bus ministry, and her husband was doing this, and her husband was doing that. we just remodeled the, the facility. It was a gorgeous little Spanish chapel. People were lining up to, to get, have their weddings done there. And <clears throat> her and her husband uh, purchased some of the pews, and so she had her husband's name you know, on a brass plate in, on the pew in front of where she sat every Sunday. Well, You can tell the rest of this story. I mean, I was out in the community. Things were happening. People started coming in. And all of a sudden, one day, Hazel showed up. And there was someone she didn't know sitting in her place. And you would have thought, I spit on her mother's grave. It was terrible. I couldn't talk her off the ledge. So basically, I I asked the visitors, who I was all about, (laughs) to sit someplace else. And Hazel went there. I couldn't leave it at that. Any of you who know me knew I could not leave it at that. (laughs) So that next week, I took the plate off, had it sanded down and refinished, and I moved the plate up one. I let two weeks pass. Hazel sat behind her, her uh, little you know plaque. You know, usually she sat, sat in pew five. Now she was sitting in pew four. And after a couple of weeks, I said, "Hey, so how was how was church day? Oh, it was good, Pastor. how was my message? It was good. How was the music? Oh, it was it was it was good, Pastor. It wasn't, but to her it was." Um, <laughs> So it was a pretty good couple of Sundays for you, huh? Oh, yeah. And I said, well, I'm surprised because you weren't sitting in your normal place. What do you mean? I sat right there. I said, isn't that usually the fifth pew? Yeah, one, two, three, four. Then I told her what I did. She didn't talk to me for weeks. In my defense, I put it back to the next place, but it became a great teaching tool of how stuck we can get because what we think is important is inside the walls rather than what's outside the walls. Okay, i got to keep moving. I've got so many stories I want to tell here, so I'm I'm in trouble if JJ's going to get up here at all. By the way, we decided who was going to preach based on who won the game last night. He's a Husky. (coughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) Didn't have to say that. I was doing so well. Um... So it, it, the 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 theme song for a risk-taking church is "Onward, Christian Soldiers." Remember that old song? I mean, you know, we're just going to charge into the future. We're going to we're going to we're going to seize the moment. Um, the the theme song for uh, the caretaking church. I couldn't find what one I, well, I like, so I just said, "Hold the fort for I'm coming." <laughs> I mean, you know, um, there, there's no real sense that that there's anything. Going, go, good going to happen. Uh, if there's a theme song for the undertaking church, it's probably when the role is called up yonder. They are so interested in that day when everything's going to kind of come to, to the place where we're all uh, doing really well. The risk takers look at the world and they say, what's going to happen today? They say, I wonder g- what great thing God is going to do. I wonder what our church can do to really make a difference in this community, what footprint can we can we place out there? Um, if you go to a caretaking church, they're they're just looking at the day and saying, "Boy, I hope nothing unusual happens." You know, I, I hope things just kind of go okay. That hope, you know, the pastor doesn't say anything too challenging or too upsetting. Um, I Hope there's nothing new. And if you go to an undertaking church, they just say, "What happened?" <laughs> you know, I don't have a clue what God is doing in the world. All I know is what's happening inside these walls. It's tragic and sad. I wish there were more churches that were doing a lot better than that, but so many of them are stuck there. And I've got to tell you one of the reasons I'm excited to work for Youth for Christ is we clearly are a risk-taking organization. I've been in places um, where I've actually been frightened for my own welfare because of the population that I, I work with. I work with kids that are in jail uh, and a lot of them, um, I, I never let them know where I live. But we work with some tough populations. But we also work with really good kids that don't have a lot of resources, the disenfranchised, the under-resourced. You know, we it, most of us live with privilege. They have very few, if any, privileges. And I thought it would be good for you, since you're a church partner, for you to kind of hear in, in uh, kind of an accountability sense almost from J.J., our executive, we just hear who we are and what we do. So, J.J., you want to come and... And uh, speak to us for a minute.
1: Thanks, Steve. Uh, Hey, it's an honor to be here. Uh, When Steve asked me to come share, I was like, absolutely. I love sharing about the work of Youth for Christ. In fact, this year we celebrate 75 years that Youth for Christ has been around the country. Um, And I was reminded uh, by my dad, who has been a key mentor in my life. He says, let's start dreaming about the next 75 years. Because, you know what, every kid we reach today, 75 years is actually the span of their life, the rest of their life. So we're building into the next generation uh, right now. But here's something that Billy Graham said, who was actually the first staff person for Youth for Christ. He said this uh, after an hours-long prayer meeting that didn't end until 1 a.m. Billy Graham said, Tell this to YFC leaders. Preach the Bible, not their own ideas. Tell them that YFC must cooperate more closely with pastors and churches. It must be willing to be part of what God is doing in the community, not the whole show. Tell them that as long as YFC stays humble before God and keeps on going for souls, I am with them all the way. And I can tell you unequivocally that YFC is so committed to not being the whole show. Uh, Our heart in many ways, even though God has sent us into really challenging areas Is to actually advance the work of the local church It's to advance the work of the kingdom of God And so I want to echo what steve has shared that in silver creek family church There is a church that is committed to this community And we celebrate it as if it's a win for youth for christ Everything that you're doing we say amen we don't view the church as a, as a competitor, as someone that's encroaching on our territory. We are one and the same. And in many ways, and this might be alongside this idea of risk-taking because it's a little crazy, there's part of us that wants YFC to disappear, not to go away, but to disappear behind the scenes so that the work of the local church could be elevated, uh, which, which really means the work of the kingdom of God. Um, Let me just invite you real quick to our DNA. And this DNA hopefully could be an encouragement to you. This is how we go about everything we do. This is something called three-story. In fact, it's our logo, those three circles. It represents my story, God's story, and your story or their story. And actually, I think this could transform the way that you operate with your neighbor, coworkers, family, friends goes like this my primary role as a minister or a follower of jesus is that i connect my story to god's story okay that's in worship and prayer what's happening today and in time in the word i am constantly connecting my life to the story of jesus and the story of his plan for me okay as i am filled with the love of god i am compelled to go and for Youth for Christ, for Steve and for Ashley and our uh, several other staff and interns, we're compelled to go into places that many people aren't going. Lower income neighborhoods, apartments where teen mothers are, uh, jail cells. But we're compelled to go and connect my story to their story. And that, connections, that connection is simply just a relationship, learning someone's past their likes, their dislikes, their fears, their dreams. It is a no deadline, no agenda, no like I need to have you saved by next week so I can report it type of relationship. It is authentically a, a space where I can connect who I am to somebody else. And here's what's amazing in, in, in our culture today. There is a major movement of skepticism about truth. Okay, I don't need to say much more than that. That is a reality in a postmodern society. But here's what the world can never invalidate. Your story. So we're invite, we are constantly going into places where we are authentically owning what Jesus has done in our life and nobody can tell me that that's not true for me. Does that make sense? And then over time, we live spirit led so that the Holy Spirit can open up windows of opportunity in that relationship where I can can help connect their story to God's story. You want to talk about loneliness? Today, they say we're the most connected generation. This is a Barna research group, the most connected generation in the history of the world, and also the loneliest. We're the lone, this is the loneliest young people the loneliest generation in the history of the world. <clears throat> so we get to enter in and tell a story of a God who is always there. That 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 preaches today. So that's our heart and our DNA and we're taking that into dark places. A commitment to three story. Our mission is as is as follows. We reach young people everywhere, working together with the local church and other like-minded followers of Jesus, uh, like-minded partners, to raise up lifelong followers of Jesus. In other words, our commitment is to raise up a generation of youth who are for Christ. Youth who are for Christ. Everybody is for something. We're committed to seeing youth who are For Christ, about Christ, for his teaching, his life, his truth. Imagine what could happen if we raised up a generation of youth just like that. Even 15. Give me 15 kids that are for Christ, and we can change a community together. As I shared before, we deeply believe in the value of the local church. Uh, Deep in our core. We believe in Silver Creek. We celebrate any work that is happening we don't care about being the whole show we want to participate in what God's doing here in Linwood and that's risky to set aside our brand i always say leave your logo at the door you know i think god's moving moving us to a bigger vision of kingdom vision of of being about him not about our church building not about our brand not about how much you know money we have to raise or make like that that's part of the I think the invitation that God's calling us into and in Youth for Christ, I feel like in many ways is, is a, a catalyst for that. Here's what we're currently doing, and I'll, and I'll be brief, um, but it's significant. Our first ministry we call City Life. Um, I realized that I, I sent in a PowerPoint that had all the words messed up, so I don't know what's behind me, but I'll just share. Our vision with City Life, we have four sites. This is working with low-income, under-resourced communities, We are in those communities in Everett, Monroe, Bellevue, and South Seattle, uh, equipping and empowering urban youth to change their own community for Christ. Raising up indigenous leaders from that community. Uh, One of the things that's near and dear to Silver Creek, newly, is Parent Life. And thank you uh, to this community. Ashley, our Parent Life Director, every uh, two Mondays a month, we're engaging and walking alongside teen parents and their beautiful children and providing a space for them to be cared for, mentored, equipped, loved on, and that ministry is continuing to grow. And as Steve represents, we have a ministry called Juvenile Justice. We have a presence in the jail cells. We have a presence at the juvenile detention centers. We have presence with kids that are that are being court mandated to, to, to appear before a judge for for. Uh, different activities they've engaged in. And we're walking alongside them every step of the way in many of these youth-serving institutions. And that's what what Steve is committed to and actually committed to equipping the church to do that. And lastly, a brand-new ministry, which I won't share much about. It's called YFC Core, which is really about equipping and engaging young people, 11 to 19, to be missionaries in their world and in their campus. Uh, And helping them to share what God's doing in their life Pray about how God wants to use them And discover tasks And to take risks uh, And invite their friends to discover Jesus with them Um, Let me just real briefly share Just a state of the ministry of Youth for Christ I'm honored to serve in the role that I'm in We have eight ministry sites around the community We really have a vibrant and dynamic staff Come to one of our staff meetings and you'll go Wow, this is pretty cool uh, and I, I sit around the room, and I go, I can't believe I get to work with these people. Uh, we are kingdom-focused in every facet of our, of our uh, ministry, and hopefully you heard that loud and clear. We have a collaborative strategy. We want to work with the local church uh, to, to engage young people in an effective way. We want to raise up lifelong followers of Jesus by connecting them to the church, not just followers of Jesus uh, until they graduate high school. That's the value of the church. I feel like we're geared to the times. We're trying to be relevant today. We're innovative and creative and fiscally responsible, lean budget, a low overhead, so that we can maximize all the work and the resources that God has given. So that's a little bit of the risk-taking that we're doing, and we're so honored to do it in partnership with Silver Creek.
0: Thanks, JJ. Um, you'd be so proud of what I'm not saying right now I'm editing because we're out of time but let me, let me tell you a story <clears throat> Jesus, w- would you say he was a risk taker? yeah he had his disciples around him and he was talking to them and he was talking to some other people who he was trying to recruit to, the, to himself and all of a sudden people started gathering and they were leaders of the church and the Sadducees came and they started taking pot shots at them. And, and <clears throat> the scripture says that Jesus had put them down. In other words, dealt with them. And the Pharisees were standing in the back and they were looking what was going on and they said, oh, we can't let this happen. This guy's getting too much influence. And so that's, they stepped up and in Matthew, <clears throat> it says that, uh, that one of them who was a teacher... An expert in the law said to Jesus, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in, in all of, of the law? And Jesus <clears throat> said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and all your soul. And then he said, this is the greatest commandment, but a second, a second is equally important. He says, you must love your neighbor as yourself. To Jesus, there was no such thing as loving God without loving your neighbor. <clears throat> Can I tell you a Christian who does not love his neighbor is an oxymoron? It doesn't exist. And a church that is not invested in their community is a social club. Jesus said <clears throat> a, second, a second is equal. He didn't say almost as important. He said, equally as important. And then he went on and said this, Love your neighbors as yourself. The entire law and all of the prophets. In other other words, everything from the first stroke of the pen that Moses wrote to all the prophets in the previous 420 some silent years that the prophets wrote. Everything, all, everything in the law and the prophets hinge on these two now I I don't know how to I I don't know how to say it any better than that Um, my hope and prayer is that most all of you will consider and continue to be um, risk takers to not be afraid to step out and do something unique um, and different and take a risk don't be afraid to fail and uh, I, I know you already do love your leadership team here, but I, I so appreciate the fact that they're willing to do things that, frankly, I, I'm in so many churches that aren't willing to do anything more than sweep off the, 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 the front entrance to the doors. So you're in a good place. Don't take it for granted. When, when your leadership team is talking to you about plugging into something, don't just think, okay, I can you know do this. You're part of a bigger team that's making a difference. You're establishing a, a footprint in the county and in your city. Let me pray for you. Thanks, Lord, for this time. I just ask that you would continue to bless Silver Creek and all the wonderful things that they do. I ask that you would uh, help each one of us to take seriously your call to not only love you, but also love our neighbor, and not just love them, but invest in who they are. And uh, we give you praise. Amen.